Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Last week, we kicked off a new series called The Beautiful Mess, and we're talking about living in this tension where all of our lives have pieces that feel very beautiful, pieces where where it's just easy to be in wonder and to walk in gratitude and these pieces of our life that that are really beautiful, but at the same time, all of us have pieces of our life that that feel messy, whether it's just stress or chaos or, or whether it's dealing with a health challenge for you or a loved one or a relational challenge. It's We live in this world that is filled both with beauty, but it's also very messy. And so we talked last week about how we live in this tension and how we choose contentment and how ultimately we look to the one who is beautiful and will one day uh, make everything beautiful and and as we live in this beautiful mess. But today what I wanna talk to you about is I I wanna talk, what does it look like to live in gratitude in the beautiful mess? mess. And, and so uh, if you have your Bibles, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. See, last week we talked about embracing contentment, where, where, where Paul talked about how he's learned the secret of, of whether things are going great or going poorly, whether he has a lot or whether he has a little. He says he's learned the secret of contentment, and that, and that the secret is it, it, it's Christ in him. He says, I can do, I can do this uh, through Christ who strengthens me. But, but I want to talk to you today about what I see as, as, as like the other side of the coin of contentment, maybe just kind of contentment plus a little bit, is what I would call gratitude. And, and I I want to talk to you about this and, and, and embracing gratitude in this beautiful mess will change your life. And so 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 in the New Living Translation, here's what it says. Be thankful in all circumstances. Now this is one of, of the uh, most in, in countercultural things that you'll ever read in scripture. There's nothing inside of us that says, I wanna be grateful when things are going poorly. But Paul says, be grateful in all circumstances. This is a, a big deal. So it's, it, that means when, when things are going great, I'm grateful. When things are, are really challenging, I'm grateful. When my spouse is treating me awesomely, I'm grateful. When my spouse is having an off day, I'm grateful. When, when the 401k is going up, I'm grateful. When the 401k is going down, I'm grateful. When, when my party wins, I'm grateful. When my party loses, Still grateful. It's a, it's a countercultural concept because the spirit of the age is to complain. And if you spend much time on social media, if it's outside of the month of November where everyone's bringing their gratitude a most social media is complaining about something or someone. And so when Paul says to this group of people whose lives were far more challenging than most of us could imagine, his word to them was give, give thanks, be thankful in all circumstances. It's this countercultural message. And then and if it's not clear enough, He amps it up a little bit. He says, be thankful in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you. He's giving us this direction. See, a lot of times in various phases of our life, especially if you're a young adult, or uh, it's, it's very common to spend a whole lot of time thinking about what is God's will for me? 
Is it God's will that I go to this college or that college? Is it God's will that I get this job or that job? Is it God's will that I marry this person or marry this person? And, and, and so when we think about God's will, we tend to think a whole lot of like who and what and where. And I do believe that there are times in our life where God very clearly points us in very specific directions. But I believe a whole lot of times God is giving us options, choices. There's not necessarily this one thing that is for sure or his will. When the Bible talks about God's will, it's less about who and less about where and, and, and more about how and more about why. And, and, and so it's more about how we live. It's more about our character. So in, in the New Testament, there's not all these occasions where God says, well, go to this place because it's my will and says it that plainly. Now God for sure directs Paul. We see God directing Abraham. There are these for sure, these moments where, where God has very specific plans for us. But, but what we see in the New Testament is there's only a handful of occasions, of occasions in the New Testament where, where the Bible says this is God's will. It, it, it's, it's, we see where it says it's God's will that you avoid sexual immorality. You don't have to think about it or pray about it if you should sleep with someone at your office that you're not married to. Bible just tells us this is, it is God's will that you live a holy life avoiding sexual immorality. This is God's will for you. It's clear. This is how you are to live. We see that in the New Testament teaches that it's God's will that we be generous. And this is another one of these very few moments where God says, this is my will for you. It's that you be grateful in all circumstances. It's absolutely countercultural. And, and, and here he, tell, he tells us how and why we do this. He says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. Those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. So this is two things. One, if you're here and you don't count yourself a follower of Jesus, you are under no pressure to be grateful in all circumstances. But Paul tells us, he says, this is a primary identifier of a follower of Jesus is this gratitude in all circumstances. I believe it's because when we really understand all that it means to be in Christ Jesus, then the overwhelming response of our heart is gratitude. And those little things in life that tend to cause us to begin to go to complaining and begin to go to ingratitude become less and less important. It, it's a primary mark of a follower of Jesus. See, see, here's the thing. Gratitude is God's will for you, but gratitude is also very good for you. It doesn't just make you feel like a better person. It's actually good for you. One recent study from UC San Diego School of Medicine found that people who were more grateful actually had better heart health, specifically less inflammation and healthier heart health. Rhythm. Some of you thought you needed to stop eating red meat. You actually just need to be more grateful. <laughs> grateful people showed a better well-being, a less depressed mood, less fatigue, and they slept better. Gratitude has been shown to have the opposite effect of stress. Another study found that gratitude can boost your immune system. And in another study, people who keep a gratitude journal have a reduced dietary fat intake as much as 25% lower. Now, I personally think that it's probably the fact that if you're prone to write down what you're grateful for, you might also be prone to write down what you're eating and then you take in less fat. So I don't know if, I, if that means anything. <laughs> Stress hormones like cortisol are 23% lower in people with greater gratefulness. Having a daily gratitude practice can actually reduce the effects of aging in 
the brain. And so we see this idea that, that gratitude is God's will for us, but gratitude is also so very good for us. And so if I can find ways where both when life feels really beautiful and when life feels really messy, if I can choose gratitude, it will change my life. So here's the thing. The gratitude risk when life is beautiful is that we fail to see and savor it. The gratitude risk when life is beautiful is that we fail to see and savor it. I don't know about you, but so many times I'm in so much of a hurry and so distracted that I don't really realize just how blessed I am. I don't really realize how much I have to be grateful for. And here's what I want you to understand. Ingratitude is a serious spiritual condition. If you've been in church a long time like I have, uh, you ha have come to understand that, that there are some things that the Bible says are, are sinful that, that we have just come to embrace as it's not that big a deal. Bible says don't gossip, and we're like, well, gossip really doesn't matter like the other big stuff. So let's gossip a little bit. But I want you to understand, ingratitude is something that we, we go around, there, there are sins that we recognize that, that, that ideally we would repent of, but at the very least, we're not gonna like talk about openly because we know this is, this is an honoring God. And, and what we see, but, but when it comes to ingratitude, we just frequently go through life complaining and not choosing gratitude in all circumstances like it's not a big deal. But the scripture teaches ingratitude is a serious spiritual condition. Let me show this to you in Romans chapter one. What's going on here is, is Paul, early in the book of Romans, is laying the foundation of, of the, the, the terrible spot that we all find ourselves in apart from Christ. He's laying this foundation of the bad news before he gets to the good news. And in Romans 1, 20, verse 21, he says, that for ever since the world was created, People have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God or not knowing that God exists. Yes, they knew God. They, they knew there was a God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. So, so Paul here, and he's about to give this list of all of these things that we would say, these are big deal sins that are to be avoided. What, what Paul says here is, he says, you know what, where, where a lot of that mess started with? It started with ingratitude. It started with an entitled, an, enti an entitled, hooked on phonics works for me. An entitled, an entitled spirit. And 2 Timothy chapter three, the apostle Paul, he says, for in the last days, things will go from bad to worse. Again, he lists a lot of things that we would say, oh, clearly those things are to be avoided. And in that list, he says, ingratitude. It's a serious spiritual condition. And, and so we have to make the choice. Am I going to choose the countercultural choice to be grateful in all circumstances? It's a choice. It's, uh, it requires being meaningfully present. It requires slowing down enough to notice all of the things that I could be grateful for. Uh, it, and, and the thing is, it requires, sometimes what helps me slow down is to ask some questions. 
Questions like these can help us slow down and see the, the beauty for which we should see and savor and express gratitude to God. Here, one question is this. What am I experiencing right now that I can be grateful for? Just sometimes just a, kind of a slowing down, recognizing the moment. What am I experiencing right now that I can be grateful for? Another question that you can ask yourself is, at the end of the day, who did I spend time with today that I am truly grateful for? Who am I taking for granted in my life? Who's a blessing in my life that I don't ever even think of them like that? Who, who, who's someone that I, 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 I should be thankful for? Well, and here's a great question. When you're experiencing something that you're prone to take for granted, ask, what if I never had this? Sometimes I'll be in the shower and it's like this hot water is coming out of the shower head. All I did was twist something. And now there's this hot water. Do you, I mean, if you realize, like for all of human history, outside of wealthy people for the last 75 years, that has not been the normal experience. And it's amazing. Do you realize that through most periods of human history, the person you're sitting next to right now would be smellier? <laughs> With the exception of some of our teenagers, you know? And so, uh, um, no, Axe body spray, it's a blessing. And so, uh, um, but it's like, what if I never had this? That's a great question to ask. How has God showed me his kindness today? Another great question asked that we never ask. You ever ask when you're experiencing something great, why me? See, our instinct is when life, when, when life throws us something challenging, when life throws us something that we wish we weren't experiencing, maybe even something tragic, our instinct is to say, well, why me, God? Why am I experiencing this suffering? And the answer is we live in this broken, messy world and one day Jesus is gonna make it all right. But, but, it's, but we never, when something awesome happens, we're never like, why me? Why was I born in America and not Somalia? Why me? These, these questions can help inspire Gratitude, and, and so this intentional gratitude, slowing down to remember that all good things come from God, helping us see these beautiful things to be grateful for. This was a big part of the Jewish culture. Uh, there, there's these, when Jewish people historically have expressed gratitude to God, that's been in the form of what they would call a blessing. Uh, they would bless God. Uh, and, and so that would be, and they, they would say, say, Adonai, Eluheinu and, and it's this, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, the, the, the king of the universe or the ruler of the universe. And then they would thank him for a thing. And there were uh, what was called the 18. There were these 18 blessings that, that, men, that many rabbis taught their, their followers to, to, uh, to say three times a day. So there are these 18 statements of, of, of blessing God, most of them having this aspect of, of gratitude to it. And there were these 18, and then some people, some rabbi added one, he called it the 19. Someone else calls it the stand, because you're supposed to stand while you do it. And, and these 18 things that, 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 uh, that were, they were told to do this three times a day. Now, other rabbis said that in a given day, you should have 100 of these statements of blessing and 
gratitude. And so, you know, like when we eat and drink, like, like we, you know, just thank God for our food. And, uh, and, it's, and then we eat it all. Many, and, and so for, for many in the Jewish culture, it would become common to thank God for each different piece of the meal. It's like you're eating some, some, some chicken tenders and some mac and cheese and a fruit cup. You've gone to Chick-fil-A, you know, and so, and, and you're thanking God for the chicken tenders and the Chick-fil-A sauce and the mac and cheese. So there were these different prayers. We see this at the, at the Last Supper, Jesus, I mean, as, as, a, as a part of the Passover meal, there are these different prayers. And so, so there's a prayer for the bread. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Now, if I was writing this Hebrew blessing, I would have made it say, hot bread with butter. And, uh, and so, and then a separate blessing for your wine. I know some of you, you know, could do this every day. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, ruler of the universe who creates the fruit of the vine. And then a, a piece of fruit that came off of a tree. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, ruler of the universe who creates the fruit of the tree. There are these blessings when you went into a holy place. There were these blessings. Um, that, uh, that when you, uh, there's actually a rabbi who, true, true story here, rabbi who wrote this blessing for, uh, for after you went to the bathroom. It, it's, uh, it's, uh, it says, Rabbi Habai said, blessed are you, O Lord, who has formed man in wisdom and created in him many orifices and many cavities. That's some weird prayer stuff right there. But, the, but what I love about this thinking is it's sort of, as if we slow down and, and, and just look at all of the things, the beautiful things that we can be grateful for that I think we take for granted, that I think we miss, that I think we might even have an entitled spirit. Here's the third thing. The gratitude risk in the mess is that we see no possible use for it. So the, the, the gratitude risk when it comes to the beauty in life, I think is this, that we miss it. We just take it for granted. We have an entitled spirit. That when it comes to the messy things in life, those stressful things, difficult things, hurtful things in life, I think the gratitude risk for us, because remember, Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in the beautiful. Be thankful in the messy. I think the gratitude risk is that we, we, we don't see any possible use for the mess. 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse seven. I believe Paul gives us this incredibly beautiful picture of someone living in the tension of recognizing there are some very messy things in my life, but I either see or expect or am believing God to use each of them. Let me show this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter four in the message translation. He says, if you only look at us, you, you might well miss the brightness we carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. Some of you might wanna put that verse on your fridge. Um, we've been surrounded and battered by troubles. He says, man, it's been a hard season. It's been hard. 
But then he says, but we're not demoralized. God has sustained us. We're not sure what to do. He says, we're not sure what's next. It's, it's a mess. But we know that God knows what to do. Then he says, we've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. See, he, keeps, he has this very clear picture of this is messy and hard, but in each aspect of the mess, he's like, but I'm grateful. God has sustained us. I don't know what to do, but God knows what to do. We've been terrorized, but God's getting us through. God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder, what Jesus did. And then he says, he says we're, being, we're suffering in similar ways than Je- as Jesus did. He says, but what Jesus did among them, he does in us, he lives. See, in each of these messy things, there's this, there's this gratitude. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake. But he says, but the upside is it makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. Maybe God's using this more than I even realize. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. So while we're not get, so, so we're not giving up, how could we? Even though on the outside, it looks like things are falling apart on us. He says, even though every external sign, all you see is mess after mess and pain after pain. He says, but on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. He, he, says, he says, it's not always gonna be like this. It's not always gonna be this hard. It's not always gonna be this messy. He says, there's far, he says, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will last forever. So some questions to ask to help you inspire gratitude in the messy moments of your life. How might God use this mess in my life? How might, how might God use this mess in my life? How might God show me my need for him in the midst of this mess? We see with the apostle Paul, he's got this thorn in his flesh. Some people think he'd gone blind and he's begging God to, to take it away. And then, and then finally, we, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, it says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What Paul says, he says, I'm experiencing something I wish I wasn't experiencing. I've asked God to take it away. But now that I recognize that this weakness is a chance for for God's power to be in and through me, he says, I'm grateful for it. I believe God's using it in my life. And and then how, how can God use this to grow and mature me. That's why James tells us to rejoice when we experience trials of many kinds because God is using these things to persevere us and mature us and grow us. In the midst of a messy season, a hard season, a difficult thing, a question to ask is, is how could God be working in ways that I cannot see or imagine? How, how in the world could God work all this together for my good? I can't even imagine how it could. It feels so messy. How might God be working behind the scenes? In her book, The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boone talks uh, about this, this experience that she had. During World War II, Corey and her sister Betsy had been harboring Jewish people in their home. 
So they were arrested and imprisoned at the Ravenstruck camp. The barracks was extremely crowded and infested with fleas. And one morning they read in their tattered Bible from 1 Thessalonians, the reminder to rejoice in all things. Betsy said, Carrie, we've got to give thanks for this barracks and even for these fleas. Carrie replied, no way am I going to thank God for the fleas. But Betsy was persuasive and they did thank God even for the fleas. And during the months that followed, they found out, they found that their barracks was left relatively unsupervised and they could do Bible study, talk openly, and even pray in the barracks. It was their only place of refuge. Several months later, they learned that the reason the guards never entered their barracks was because of all of those fleas. See, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the pain, ask how might God be, be working all this together for my good. Here's the last thing and we're done. And the beauty in the mess, we can always be grateful for the goodness and the love of God. When things are great financially and things are challenging financially, we can be grateful for the goodness and the love of God. When your family feels like a Hallmark movie, we can be grateful for the love and goodness of God. When our family feels like a horror movie, we can be grateful for the good. That, I thought that was funny stuff, whatever. And so... Uh, <laughs> We can be thankful for the goodness and the love of God. Psalm 136 says over and over, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. In a world that's constantly changing, in a world that feels like it's ups and downs in a roller coaster, the constant thing that, that, that we can root our gratitude in is the goodness and the love of God, most clearly illustrated in Christ dying in our place. This amazing picture of God's love and his goodness. Hebrews 12, 28, I love this verse. He says, it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Some of you over this last year or this last three years or this last five or six years, it's just felt like your life is just being shaken and shaken and, and you wonder how, how long is it gonna keep feeling this way and, is, and it feels like the shaking's getting harder and, and you don't know if you can handle any more shaking. And the writer of Hebrews says, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what do we do? Let us be thankful and so worship God. Maybe you're here, you're not even sure there's a God. Maybe you consider yourself an atheist or an agnostic or you're just not sure. And something I would encourage you to think about is I think that, I think that we're hardwired for gratitude. And, and I would challenge someone to think if, if, that, that thinks that all that, that exists is a giant accident. How, who are we grateful for? Who are we grateful to? Obviously, there's things in your life where you can be grateful to a person, but when you look at a beautiful sunset and there's something, the sense of awe and wonder and gratitude that wells up, if, if there is no God, where does that gratitude go? You look at a beautiful ocean and, and you say, this is amazing, I'm so grateful for this. Where does the gratitude go? But the, but the wonder of the gospel 
The, the wonder of the Christian message is, is that in the great times in life, we have somewhere to look to direct our gratitude. And in, and in the most challenging times in life, we, we, we have this comfort that, that comes and this hope that comes. There's this hope in the mess. See, see the, here's, the wonder, here's the wonder of the Christian message, that we're about to celebrate at Christmas. The wonder of the Christian message is that God chose to enter our mess, leaving the wonders of heaven, being born as a tiny little baby in a stable to an unwed mother. God chose to enter into our mess, joined us in our mess, took the worst of our mess upon himself, and one day will take away all the mess and restore everything to beauty. In the Book of Common Prayer, the Anglican Church has used for centuries. There's a number of prayers that just kind of give guidance of, of ways to, to pray. And one of these prayers is called the General Thanksgiving Prayer. I'm just gonna read it to you. And then afterwards, we're gonna stand and, and pray it together as we read it from the screen. But here's how, I think it's a great way for us to think about gratitude. It says, Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants. See, there's something inside of us. Even when we read that, we're like, well, man, I, I, I'm worthy. And, and that's that entitled spirit. See, the, the fact is, well, apart from Christ, none of us are worthy. We all find ourselves sinful and broken. And now because of the work of Jesus, we've been made worthy, accepted, love. He says, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life. But above all, for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercy. That's a great thing to pray, even as we go into Thanksgiving week. God, would you give me an awareness of your mercy, your goodness that's following me? Would you help me to be aware? Would you help me to see it? That with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to him with you and the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory throughout all ages. Let's stand up and let's read that together as our closing prayer. I'll read it, and we'll all read it together aloud. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all, for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, 
by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages, amen. Have an awesome Thanksgiving. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.